0: All righty, hello again everyone and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter podcast for the 22nd day of February, 2023. I am Derek. Happy Wednesday. I am Derek Hunter. I am your host. Welcome to it. Thanks for downloading, sharing, telling a friend, all that good stuff. And uh, thanks for entering the content. Christy Gnome is wildly popular. But Brad Thor ain't no slouch either. Which would you want, a Brad Thor autographed book or a Christy Gnome autographed book? Your choice, your options. Go to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or derekhunter.locals.com Whatever your conscience tells you to do and uh find out enter to win support the program or you can just you know join via PayPal and I'll um uh, send you I'll send you the week in f and review every Friday you'll get it early actually if you get it via email although I could schedule the send and uh, Then you can enter the contest that way if you so choose. You won't be, I'm not going to email you pictures that I'm going to post up there and stuff like that. But everything else you can get via email, DerekAllenHunter at gmail.com. Anyway, enough about that. Let us start the program. A lot of of things going on in the world out there. We are um, looking at what's going to be, I don't know. I don't think the administration really thought through this peeing contest. I'm trying to think of a classy way to put it. It's peeing contest with Russia. They don't seem to have a plan. They're desperate to make Joe Biden seem like he's on the ball and that he's tough. And that's the problem with Joe Biden is so much of his life has been spent trying to give the impression that he's tough, not being tough, but that he's, he wants people to think he's tough without actually having to do anything about it. That's why you don't see him being tough. You hear him talk about how he is tough. Right? There's a difference between being tough, acting tough. You don't need to sit around and go, hey, everybody, look at me. Look at how tough I am. And sitting around going, hey, everybody, look at me. Look at how tough I am. Corn pop was a bad dude. Yeah, no, This nobody's really... Uh, Say, nobody witnessed your little fight with Corn Pup. It's one of those things, like your arrest in South Africa trying to get to see Nelson Mandela. You're desperate, desperate, desperate to get to see Nelson Mandela, that you landed, you know, a thousand miles away from where Robben Island is and you were supposedly going to visit him for some weird reason rather than flying directly there. But you were arrested because you refused refused to participate in the apartheid system uh, that's garbage you got into the country you participated in the apartheid you weren't tough joe you did exactly what they told you to do never arrested all of this stuff i'm standing up to Putin. you're standing up to putin by proxy you really want to stand up to putin make him get out of ukraine not chase him out of ukraine because, you know, you could, we're, we're waging a war of atrophy by proxy against Russia. Hoping that it just becomes so expensive and so destructive to the Russian economy and Putin personally that he goes, all right, we've got to pull out of there. The problem is it's more destructive to our economy and it's certainly more destructive to our military readiness and then ultimately could be more destructive to our... Uh, our economy in general, even more broadly so, if China decides that we have depleted our stores of, say, uh, artillery and uh, ammunition to the point that they can just waltz into Taiwan. See how that works? See, China is helping out Russia. Why? Because it helps out China. Because it causes us, with our idiot president, not interested in a negotiated settlement to what's going on in in Ukraine, it causes China, it causes us to go, here's more money, here's more weaponry. And China just sits back, these people are stupid. These people are really, really dumb. They're making it easier for us. It's not very often that your enemy makes it easier on you. But it's not very often that you have a senile anti-American, well, anti-whatever country it is, moron in charge of a country and uh, you know, sit there and go well the real problem in the world is us what other world leader have you ever heard of whatever political party have you ever heard of a political party that goes, the real problem in this world is us the real problem in this society is us the real we are the ones we've been waiting for to jump in the parking lot and beat up because we are terrible you can't make this stuff up they are the democrats are our enemy's dream If they had a vote, they'd vote for Democrats. So Joe Biden is touring over in Europe. He's over in Poland to mark the one-year anniversary of the war in Ukraine without any call for peace. He will say, well, Vladimir Putin's got to leave Russia. It's weird because the nation that is – we as the nation that is leading the charge – economically and militarily through the support of the equipment we're giving them, not on the ground, thank God, at least not yet, but give Joe Biden time. We as the superpower on this side have the ability to dictate terms of the support that we offer. We do. It can be unpleasant But it's it's exercising the power that we have if we chose to do it. Instead, we are sitting around going, we'll do whatever Ukraine wants us to do. We are somehow Ukraine's lapdog in all of this. I don't know how the hell you end up being Ukraine's lapdog. We are the ones helping them. But the people we are helping get to dictate the terms in which we help them. How does that work? It doesn't work in real life unless, you know, the the president of the United States cedes our sovereignty to another country, which he has. And why would you do that? That's a good question. That's a question for the ages. It could be that Joe Biden simply believes what he's doing and what he's saying. It is entirely possible. But... um, that doesn't really make any sense they tried to tell us and this is the democrats this is the problem with politicians in general they just try to tell you things in the most hyperventilating way possible this barack obama this is the worst economy since the great depression not really it's people remember the carter years okay so it's not the worst economy since the great it didn't matter Weirdly, Joe Biden is now saying he inherited the worst economy since the Great Depression when he inherited an economy that was booming, if only because it was being unkinked. People were allowed to go back to work. But reality has no place. Honesty, truth has no place with politicians in general, particularly Democratic politicians in specific. But you listen to these people, and you look at these people, and you do and see what they're doing, and you go, everything is hyperbolic. Ukraine is the most important country; it's the nation's grain basket, or whatever the hell. Okay, great. Um, Ukraine's going through some stuff right now. How about other countries, including the United States, plant some grain, right? If we are experiencing or run risk of experiencing a massive grain shortage. because of the war in ukraine not to say the war in ukraine is nothing to sniff at or just forget about it but maybe we should i don't know try to make up for that by planting some grain just a thought that sort of thing there are realistic solutions that this administration is not engaging in as the really uh, super patron of ukraine We could have dictated terms. We could have sent them all the military aid that they've gotten, but also said, hey, what we need to do is, however it's possible, get Russia out of Ukraine, back to before where it was, back to where it was a year ago. But we didn't. We didn't. Anybody in this country, including progressive Democrats, back when they had a pair for a second accidentally, the Progressive Caucus sent a letter to the White House saying, "Hey, you guys should probably try to negotiate some kind of peace agreement over in Ukraine now it's time to do." And they were called what? Russian stool. Everything that everybody says is if you unless you're absolutely unwilling or willing to plant your lips on the rear end of Zelensky and the Ukrainian government, you are a tool of Putin. Sorry, I'm not going to play that game, but that's the way the left works. And sadly, with the Progressive Caucus, they're like, you know what? We're a bunch of peacenik hippies. What we really want is a negotiated settlement. And they suddenly said, oh, well, not nah, to hell with a negotiated settlement. All right. we We're sorry that we even suggested that there could be peace. They poo-pooed they, the United States, the Biden administration expressly, with some help, from Republicans like Lindsey Graham and Mitch McConnell, poo-pooed the idea of peace through any sort of concessions or negotiations or simply going back to the way things were. See, this all started, allegedly, and if we're to call their bluff, we'd have to call it, because Russia didn't want Ukraine joining NATO. NATO. Ukraine has no reason to join NATO. NATO really had no reason to exist in this, as it's currently configured. The expansion of NATO was kind of stupid when it was started as a bulwark against the Soviet Union when the Soviet Union collapses. What is the purpose of NATO after that? Nobody ever really justified that except that it empowered the world's elite and they liked it. So they kept it and they said, well, this is great where we are. It'll be even better if we get bigger. Well, Russia didn't like that very much. So Ukraine sitting there going, hey, maybe we should join NATO. That ticked them off, amongst other things. But that is the chief disagreement there. If you could get Russia out of Ukraine and get everybody back to where things were a year ago, that should be enough. But Zelensky empowered by a lapdog president. For some reason, you can try and figure out why it is that Joe Biden is slavishly loyal to Ukraine. I imagine it has something to do with 10% for the big guy. But uh, you can try and figure it out for yourself. For some reason, Joe Biden has given Ukraine absolute power to run U.S. foreign policy in regards to itself. It's very bizarre. He's over there. No other country, by the way, gets to dictate the terms under which the United States government will engage with their government. Except except adversarially, obviously, but no other ally. You know what? We're friends. Yes, but this uh, this is how I'm going to be your friend, and I'm going to change how I'm going to be your friend constantly so that I can get more. Normally in your real life, you'd tell a friend to go get bent if they tried that with you. But if you try it on the international stage, you are cheered as uh, somehow a champion for democracy, even though your president is jailing domestic critics of your policy. Yeah, it's, uh, it's weird. It's weird how the people who scream the loudest, this is what democracy looks like, are the ones least likely to do or see or say anything remotely close to how you understand democracy. You can sit there and figure out your own reasons as to why that might be, but when they look at a man and go, I don't know what that is, or a woman and go, that could be anything, you begin to realize that maybe you're not dealing with people who are honest brokers and who are interested in being honest even with themselves so our president has pot committed us to no matter what goes on we will be ukraine's lapdog rather than trying negotiating peace they're calling for war crimes crimes against humanity to be issued against Vladimir Putin, and he's probably guilty of it, to be honest with you, the ins and outs of the atrocities committed by Russia. I haven't really followed. I don't really care, because I'm mostly because I'm told I'm supposed to care. I also don't believe the Ukrainian government. I look at the situation, the war between Russia and Ukraine as the war between two dishonest groups of, of political leaders. They are. Certainly, Vladimir Putin is worse but he's worse in general because he's the aggressor and has the ability to be worse. Zelensky isn't any uh, wonderful person himself. You remember when those missiles, those rockets, landed in Poland. Remember that? It was about six months ago. Rocket missile attack on Poland. They are a NATO ally. They are. This is an act of war. Who was the first person out there? Zelensky comes out and he says this is this is how this is an attack on NATO. NATO must respond in kind. They must get to to war with Russia. Russia's like, we didn't launch any missiles anywhere near that. Russia's liar. Then we looked looked at the debris on the ground and it turned out that it was Ukrainian. It was Ukrainian rockets. You're like, hey, wait a second. So if Ukraine Ukraine is attacking Poland, Ukraine is attacking a NATO ally, should we not then go and go to war with Ukraine? No, 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 this is not, it was an accident. It was an accident. You were pretty quick to, uh, first of all, how do you guys launch rockets into Poland? How does that happen? Huh? Secondly, you were really quick to go out there and, uh, you must declare war on Russia, you must do this, you must do that. Uh, you're pretty quick on that one, you would think that if you if you're on top of your military's doings, you would notice that they 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 launched rockets in that direction, maybe a couple of them went astray and killed a cow or whatever you might want to i don't know keep your powder dry unless unless it was a plan, unless it was an attempt to provoke something, who knows I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm just asking questions. So while the president is over there swearing undying loyalty to the people of Ukraine, it's amazing watching him do this, and you sit there and you go, wow, you know what would be really nice? If we had a president who looked at the United States Constitution the way that Joe Biden looks at Ukraine, Ukraine is absolute. Ukraine can do no wrong. Ukraine is wonderful and, and joyous. And oh, my goodness, everybody should love you. The United States Constitution is a hindrance to his political agenda. He, now, he swears an oath to preserve, protect, and defend not Ukraine. But the United States Constitution, he just doesn't doesn't mean it. That's the problem. And our media is so full of sycophants and straight up butt kissers that it doesn't matter now um over at grabian media they've they've captured a whole bunch of things it's kind of funny i told you yesterday like there's an air raid siren going on in joe biden i played you the cnn report there's the air raid siren wow joe biden bravely marches through the city with an air raid siren he could easily have been killed by a russian attack but he walks with the gait of a 900-year-old sea slug um, through the streets without any concern. And I thought, well, that seems a little bit weird if there's a, a rocket attack where the president of the United States is. I would think that the Secret Service might go, let's get inside. Let's, let's hurry this up, old man, and pick him up. But they didn't. Well, it turns out that some people did a little bit of journalism. It's been widely reported, although not constantly reported. It's weird how this works. They report it once, and then they go we're done we reported it and then they go back to kissing his butt about being there during an air raid that there was no russian rockets no missile attack nothing yesterday and in fact the united states government told russia that joe biden was going there so they better not try anything so the air raid siren was exactly as i said it was yesterday it was for show makes him look tougher which goes back to what I said at the beginning of the program. Pretty much everything Joe Biden does is designed to make him look tough. Tough people don't have to do things to make themselves look tough. They're just tough. People who aren't go for the stagecraft. Before we move off this uh, Joe Biden thing, there is some audio I want to play just to give you an example of the type of media coverage that the president of the United States is getting for having gone to Ukraine. Now, presidents have visited war zones since presidents have been visiting overseas in a timely fashion. Hell, FDR went to war zones a lot and he was in a wheelchair. But no one has done it so courageously as Joe Biden, what with the way he walked through the streets of Kiev whilst sirens for an air raid went off. He defiantly sauntered his way through, shuffled down the streets of Kiev. Such a hero. Except there was no air raid. It was all for show. It's amazing. What's amazing to me is how the media absolutely is okay with getting seemingly down with it, with getting played. They're just cool with getting played. Yeah, go ahead. play. Go ahead. Do the political theater. Oh, the air raid sirens are going off, and the president of the United States is exposed and nobody's doing anything. That should send off spidey sense tingling left and right. Should be going. People should be going. That's not the secret. That's not how the Secret Service works. And it's not, unless the Secret Service is in on the gag. But anyway, Douglas Brinkley, presidential historian. You, know, you see all these people, the Michael Beschloss, Douglas Brinkley, John Meacham. All of these people are like, we are presidential historians. All we care about is the historical record. And then you say, well, why do you live in the colon of Democrats? Because they really are up there. Michael Beschloss, is, he makes Bernie Sanders seem sane. And it's just in the last few years, probably 10 years ago, these people were were simply out there. Regurgitating the facts, but because times have changed and journalism is dead from autoerotic asphyxiation, they are now full blown partisans. I guess maybe they want to keep their con- contributor contracts and they recognize that in order to keep them, they've got to throw red meat to the audience. But John Meacham, presidential historian, NBC News, John Meacham, oh, yes, we're wonderful, MSNBC contributor. He is a part-time speechwriter for Joe Biden. The blood-red speech at uh, Independence Hall in Philadelphia, John Meacham wrote that, or helped write it. They admit it. And they don't even come on and say, now we bring in John Meacham, who uh, is an occasional speechwriter for the President of the United States. They just ignore it. They pretend it doesn't matter. They pretend it doesn't, not that it doesn't matter. They pretend it doesn't exist, which is worse. Douglas Brinkley is the same way. I want you to listen to this clip. I believe it's from CNN where Douglas Brinkley simply and embarrassingly, no no adult should fanboy out on another adult the way that these presidential cable news presidential historians do
1: as our resident historian here place this in the context in the pantheon of presidential visits to war zones presidents have visited Iraq and Afghanistan in recent years but those were U.S. wars this is a Ukrainian war no U.S. military presence on the ground how significant? It's extremely significant the United States is wedded more to the Ukraine than ever before Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I go back to history and think of Roosevelt and Churchill when FDR had to sneak off in the dead of night even had a body double at one point to First, meet Winston Churchill off the coast of Newfoundland. And then, of course, Mm. you had all those World War II meetings between Churchill. Uh, It's worth, I mean, mentioning Churchill because Zelensky has been called the Churchill of our generation. And Biden going there today, I think it's going to be a a moment for the history books. It's Mm. like when John F. Kennedy went to Berlin in 1961 and gave a speech at the height of the Cold War. Ukraine is the new Berlin. It's the rally Mm. point for nato and the the western allies and and uh, i think biden uh, did did something really heroic
0: heroic my god it's heroic it's just amazing The look fdr snuck off and had body doubles rolling around in wheelchairs all over eastern western europe everywhere the middle east just trying to hide where he was they went into war zones and they were yeah then you get this story Now, because they're comparing Biden to all of this, including, you know, Bush and Obama and Trump going to active war zones. ABC News Today. Following President Joe Biden's surprise visit to the Ukrainian capital of Kiev on Monday, senior members of his administration detailed the security discussions that led to the decision to go on the trip and the uh, content of the meetings Biden had with Ukrainian President Zelensky over the course of roughly five hours. And while officials remain tight-lipped about the precise security details required to manage the trip, including Biden's mode of transportation in and out of the war-torn country, they did say that the U.S. informed Russia of the visit shortly before Biden left for Ukraine. Huh? Quote, We did notify the Russians that President Biden would be traveling to Kiev. We did so some hours before his departure for uh, deconfliction purposes. Jake Sullivan, the national security advisor to the president, told reporters Monday morning at a press briefing because the sensitive nature of those communications, I won't get into how they responded or what the precise nature of our message was, but I can confirm that we provided that information, Sullivan said. Now, when you heard Douglas Brinkley, that was from this morning on CNN, or last night, sorry, this was known. The story that we had let the Russians know that Biden was going. It wasn't like, hey, Joe Biden is about 20 minutes from landing in Kiev or entering Ukrainian airspace, so you better knock off any shelling. No, there was none of that. They told Russia before he left the United States, and that's, what, easily a 10- to 12-hour flight. Right? Isn't it? I mean, maybe it goes a little faster, Air Force One goes a little, maybe it's eight, but Whatever they knew he was coming, so it is not the same as FDR sneaking around trying to get to places to meet with Winston Churchill, no, because if we told look Hitler, FDR is going to be trolling around this part of Europe there, and he's going to be on a boat that's coming over, because it was the only way to get across the Atlantic at the time with any uh, certainty, so you better not. Uh, you better not bomb these things. You better not have a U-boat. No, they, the Germans would expressly go. You know what? We need to, we need to sink every damn ship we can, just in case we can get ourselves Roosevelt. That's the difference. That's the difference. If you don't see the difference, and I don't know if Brinkley does or doesn't see the difference, but if you don't see the difference, you're not looking for the difference. That's how sad news has become. Oh, my goodness. Joe Biden is so very brave. What with the way he sauntered through the streets of Kiev while air raid sirens were going off, while there was no air raid, while everybody knew there was no air raid. What, did somebody just lean against the air raid button? Not a single person. Watch the video. Watch any of the videos of Joe Biden shuffling his way through the streets of Kiev. And you will not see anybody reacting to an air raid siren. Not a single person. Air raids, sirens, you've got to take cover. There's an air raid coming. You're going to get blown to hell. Or you could. You don't know where these bombs are landing. And nobody, the Secret Service, nobody in the press. So they had to have known. Nobody in the Ukrainian government. Nothing. And what have we been told from the beginning of this war? Why, there's uh, Russian kill squads sneaking around Ukraine, desperate to try to kill Zelensky, that's Vladimir Putin would like nothing more than to kill Zelensky. So you would think that somebody involved in this, if it were remotely true, would be a, just a little bit interested in, I don't know, the air raid sirens and the prospect of hellfire being rained down on them. Yet no one was concerned because we would told Russia. We gave Russia the tip-off. Hey, we're going. Okay, no problem. Meanwhile, Putin has announced that he is withdrawing from the START treaty, the nuclear, uh, use, uh, nuclear treaty with the United States. He's suspending it. He's not withdrawing. Sorry. Associated Press, Russian President Vladimir Putin suspended Moscow's participation in the last remaining nuclear arms control pact with the U.S., announcing the move Tuesday in a bitter speech where he made clear he would not change his strategy in the Ukraine war. You got to love the commentary. It's a bitter speech. Maybe it was, but that's not the job of a journalist. At least it used to not be. In his long-delayed State of the Nation address, Putin has cast his country... And Ukraine, as victims of Western double dealing, and said it was Russia, not Ukraine, fighting for its very existence. Quote, we are fighting the Ukrainian, we aren't fighting the Ukrainian people, Putin said in the speech. The Ukrainian people have become hostages of the Kiev regime and its Western masters, which have effectively occupied the country. End quote. Think of all the propaganda victories that we, our government, the United States, has given Russia domestically. Cause we have. You got Biden over there, you got what, a hundred and I think it was up to one hundred and thirteen billion dollars in aid, and the President of the United States saying we will give you as much as you want, as much as it takes. Our love is undying. My God. God, there are stalkers who are more rooted in real life than Joe Biden is. There are stalkers who are like, all right, well, that's it. She Taylor Swift is now dating somebody else, and it's clearly not me. I This is like the 12th guy. She's clearly uh, not going to be faithful to me. I'm going to move on to somebody else. Not all stalkers, obviously, but some stalkers. Joe Biden has the dedication of a psychotic stalker to ukraine now granted if a country had paid you millions and millions and millions of dollars for doing absolutely nothing you'd have blind loyalty or at least some loyalty to them as well if only to the extent that you are terrified that the government which you are propping up has the goods on you and could easily i don't know Release all sorts of embarrassing communications and documents, so you can't really blame Joe Biden. You should, but you can't really. <laughs> My too? Am I too cynical? I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't think I'm too cynical. Maybe just a skosh. So now we shift to Project Veritas. I got a lot of emails going. Hey, what's up with Project Veritas? What happened to James O'Keefe? What do you think? He's going. I don't understand it. I don't know if we'll well eventually we'll understand what happened. Some of this stuff leaks out. But he's out at Project Veritas. I'm not really sure I'm not sure who else works at Project Veritas, to be honest with you. It'd be like at this point, even though he didn't found it, Tom Fitton is the is judicial watch, right? He's the face of Judicial Watch. He's the voice of Judicial Watch. Every single tweet the guy sends out is a picture of him, no matter what the subject. He's like, why, why are you sending out pictures of yourself? It's because he's established himself as the face of Judicial Watch. If they're going to get rid of him for any reason, and I have no reason to suspect they would because he's wildly effective at this job, there'd be trouble. There'd be a lot of people going, what the hell, you can't get rid of... Tom Fitton. Well, maybe this is the test case, that maybe they can get rid of anybody. New uh, The National Review. James O'Keefe, the guerrilla filmmaker known for exposing left-wing politicians and institutions, is out at Project Veritas, the conservative media company he founded more than a decade ago. I'd point out that in that lead sentence, and this tells you really everything that's wrong with this country. I don't know who Ryan Mills is. He's the one who wrote it for the National Review. Nowhere does it say that James O'Keefe is a journalist. He's a guerrilla filmmaker. Guerrilla filmmaker at a conservative media company. Well, Ryan Mills, I can think of a dozen stories that James O'Keefe actually literally broke, whereas I can't think of a single story that anybody called Ryan Mills, whoever the hell you are, broke, let alone an actual story broken by National Review. Nothing against National Review. I know a lot of people who work there. But it's not it's not where I go for breaking news. Let's just put it that way. Most of the news that's broken these days is simply somebody with information they want out to damage somebody else or to glorify their themselves or their boss is given to a reporter. Then the reporter writes it up. They will email the subject of the hit piece and say, we're going to go to press in an hour, so let us know if you have any comment, and that email will be time-stamped at 3 a.m. And they go, well, they didn't return, respond in time for publication, for comment. And you sit there and you go, oh, they must have been avoiding it, when in reality, it's a web story. It's on, there's no point. It's not going into an actual newspaper on these websites. So there is no real deadline. It's just arbitrarily, they said, we'll give him an hour. We'll give him a half an hour. We'll give him whatever. Journalism is so dead, it's not even recognizable anymore. Anyway, back to the story about uh, James O'Keefe. In a 45-minute video, which appears to have been filmed Monday at Project Veritas's office, O'Keefe announced that he was, quote, packing up my personal belongings after he'd been indefinitely suspended from his role as CEO and removed... From the group's board of directors, O'Keefe, who appeared to be talking to gathered Project Veritas staffers, said in the video, which was published anonymously on the streaming platform, Vimeo was, quote, just for us and was being recorded for internal distribution, though he seemed to want to make the footage released widely. While he may be out at Project Veritas, O'Keefe said he intends to continue his work and suggested he may start a rival watchdog organization and poach uh, talent from Veritas. So our mission continues. I'm not done. The mission will perhaps take on a new name, and it may no longer be called Veritas, Project Veritas. I will need a bunch of people around me, and I'll make sure you know how to find me. End quote. That's the thing, the donations to Project. This is this is the problem with a lot of organizations. That's not, uh, James O'Keefe came up with it. It's his baby. He make it uh, himself the star of it, and that's fine. And he's got a lot of guts with what he does. So there's no nothing but respect there. But as a concept, so much of conservative world, not less so liberal world, but so much of conservative world is built around the cults of personality or the personalities, the public perceptions of people involved in them. I often thought this for a long, long time about, and it was started with Drudge. I don't know Matt Drudge. I've never met Matt Drudge. I was good friends with Andrew Breitbart. I am friends with Ann Coulter. They are both... Well, Andrew would have never described himself as good friends with Matt Drudge. Matt Drudge is an intensely private person, although Ann Coulter, I think, would qualify as a good friend, or at least would have. I don't know if they still are or not. But I thought that it, you know the Drudge report, before it turned decidedly left, controlled the news cycle, not just on conservative outlets, but in liberal outlets he was able to less so with liberal outlets but he still had enormous influence over them and there are all sorts of rumors about Andrew, or about um, Matt I'm not going to get into them I have no idea if they're true or not I've just heard them from a lot of people who didn't know each other and uh, nobody who actually knew knew him but there are, there are rumors not that he was gay everybody knew he was gay nobody cared <clears throat> but other rumors and I thought well If Matt Drudge dies, or if these rumors are true, many of these vicious rumors, probably mostly from jealous people, but whatever. If something happens and Matt Drudge is ruined, then conservatives lose an incredibly important arrow in their quiver. Because it's the Drudge Report. If you discredit Drudge in any way, shape, or form, or something happens to Drudge, it goes away. There's doesn't seem to be... It's Matt is the Drudge Report. And if something happens to Matt, whatever it is, the Drudge Report goes away. There's nothing in there. Now, you know, the left has the Huffington Post, which is now just called HuffPo. They've, they've removed Arianna Huffington from it. When she she got she cashed out and, and went on to do I don't even know what the hell she's doing anymore, but they've successfully separated those two. But the Huffington Post is is not relevant anymore, so it lost its relevancy. There have been thank God now there are so many conservative websites out there that are actually not named after people that uh, you don't need to worry about Drudge even before Drudge went to the left there are other people trying to be drudge and it's you get the sense that it's mostly for their glorification than it is for any sort of political victory mostly that's just how it is that's egos always rule in politics but james o'keefe didn't name it the james o'keefe project or O'Keefe.com. Go to com. Sign up for my newsletter at com. I won't I won't bother you, but once a day, like, yeah, they'll fill it with average. You'll make money on it. That's not what James O'Keefe did. James O'Keefe raised tens of millions of dollars because people liked what he was doing. He probably didn't come up with all of the ideas. He gets credit for the acorn sting, but... Even at the time, they were saying that Hannah Giles came up with the idea, and she reached out to James at that point, and they did it together. I don't know why Hannah decided she didn't want to do this anymore, whatever she's up to. Her, I actually knew, um, but uh, I don't know James. But James definitely went on to bigger and better things, exposing Pfizer, exposing various senators exposing Planned Parenthood and always, always demonized by the left. Remember how like sitting there and he wasn't, but somebody undercover was sitting there with a, I think a Planned Parenthood executive discussing the price of various organs from aborted fetuses and going, oh, you know what? I want to be able to buy this kind of car, that kind of car. And like, huh, that's gross, And contrary to what they publicly say they do, it was wildly important. The mainstream media ignored him. The left-wing industrial complex ignored him because he was so effective. And they came up with the heavily edited. He was the originator of, it's heavily edited. You watch. Tucker got his hands on, what, 41,000 or 44,000 hours of Capitol Hill surveillance video. They've been going through it last week. He announced yesterday that they're going to be going through it this week because 44,000 hours is a lot of time to watch, surveillance video. But they will then report on it on Monday coming up. And they uh, they will be saying, because Democrats are already saying, why you give it to a right winger? Oh, it's wrong, it's wrong, it's wrong. Why were you hiding it? You could have released it to the public. You could have just released it to the public, and that would be problem solved. But they... Uh, they will say whatever the hell comes out of Tucker that it's heavily edited. Well, because you can't really... Tucker Carlson's show is one hour, not 44,000 hours long. So he is going to pick out the undercover officers beating the hell out of cops and encouraging other people to beat the hell. The video footage of that, if it exists. But you have to ask yourself the same thing you have to ask yourself when they did it to O'Keefe, when they do it to everything out there. In what context is that okay? In what context is an FBI agent or an undercover police officer saying, let's get in there, come on, don't let them stop you. In what circumstance is that okay? Is there one? And it goes back to O'Keefe. Was there a circumstance under which somebody at ACORN telling James O'Keefe and Hannah Giles, who have presented themselves as a pimp, and his prostitute saying they want to import underage girls for a child sex ring. And they're giving him advice on how to do that. Is there a circumstance under which that's okay? Now, what's funny is, another defense, by the way, that they used against O'Keefe... Uh, the left tried was he wasn't dressed as a pimp. I remember the opening scenes for the uh, videos? They had James dressed up like a stereotypical nineteen seventies pimp, and Hannah dressed up as like a stereotypical nineteen seventies street walking prostitute. And I, they weren't they weren't wearing those costumes when they're sitting. Yeah, they they didn't dress up clownish, which is actually worse, right? There's a guy calmly sitting across from you saying, "I want to import thirteen year old girls." for a child's sex ring, not dressed up like he's doing a high school hidden camera show. And you're giving them advice on how to do that. That's worse, in my opinion. So we'll see. There's speculation that uh, they ousted him after the sting against Pfizer for various reasons. It's Ultimately, I suspect it will come back to money. But just know that James O'Keefe will be back. Project Veritas probably won't be around that much longer because what is Project Ver? They're going to need something really dramatic, really quickly, if they're expected to survive. They have the money. They can last a while, but withering on the vine is not really existing. So the real, the smart money is in following James, I suspect that will happen here. They're grousing about, oh, he spent too much money on on cars and driving around. You know, they were all for Project Veritas. You can say he did too much of it, but it was all for Project Veritas stuff. It's kind of important. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But the smart money, again, is on O'Keefe. Okay, so now we turn our gaze just a little bit to the south, down to Florida. Well, he's actually to the north and to the uh, west right now. Ron DeSantis has a book out, but he's also traveling to blue states, blue areas, trying to recruit police officers to come down to Florida. You know, it's not I was just in Florida. It's not a lawless land where some sort of hellscape is breaking out. That would be Democrat-controlled areas. But people are fleeing to Florida. People are desperately fleeing to Florida from these blue states. And that means that every and by the way, everywhere is having difficulty recruiting police officers, thanks to Democrats demonizing the police. All cops are bastards. Let's do this, that and the other. It's horrible, terrible, awful. You name it, they have. let's get rid of qualified immunity for police. Let's make them personally liable for every junkie who sues them and claims that they were abused by them, whatever it is. So you look at this and the cops who can are retiring as quickly as possible and the cops who are staring on the long end of like, I got 25 more years of this, I am not going to do this. They're either quitting and going into something else or they're, They're going to jurisdictions where they're less likely to get sued. They're less likely to have problems, just say. And so there's a lot of competition. There are fewer people just going, I'm not going to be a cop at all. I'm not interested in this stuff. Why the hell would I bother? So that means there is a limited pool of people who are available to hire. So Ron DeSantis is going around to the police officers, he's meeting with police officers in these jurisdictions, New York, Chicago, so on and so forth, to encourage, to try to recruit police officers, state police and local police down in Florida. Now, I don't know. I assume he's offering some sort of incentive, a pot sweetener, if you will, to get people to come down there, in addition to the fact that you know Florida has no state income tax, for example. There's reason people are moving there. It's not just because they really, really love oppressive humidity eight months of a year. So this is bothering the left. It's bothering a lot of people. It's bothering Donald Trump, too, by the way. Donald Trump is attacking him. Donald Trump went to uh, somewhere. I don't know where the hell he went. But uh, he was giving a speech the other day, and he was talking about... Oh, no, he was actually in West Palm Beach. He didn't go anywhere. He brought people to him. And uh, he was able to fill a room, which, I mean, it's it's your home court. You should be able to fill a room. But I think it was at actually at Mar-a-Lago. <clears throat> and he said, well, Ron DeSantis went to an event in Staten Island and only got 139 people. In Staten Island, it was 139 cops. He was expressly speaking to police officers. It wasn't a, hey, come and talk to um, Ron DeSantis, meet and greet with Ron DeSantis. I I promise you that. But why let the facts stand in the way of goods? I don't understand why he's so insecure. If he projected confidence, there'd be more people who'd go, all right, I'll listen to what he has to say. But if uh, you're projecting wild insecurities, eh, I don't know. I don't know what the... The point of that is, not much different from President Trump was Mayor Eric Adams of New York City who decided to go after Ron DeSantis too. They can't get over. they can't quit him It's like broke back Mountain. Eric Adams tweeted welcome to New York City Governor Ron DeSantis a place where we don't ban books discriminate against our LGBTQ plus neighbors use asylum seekers as props or let the government stand between a woman and her health care we're happy to teach you something about values while you're here <laughs> now I love that I love that because they actually do ban books they ban books that are not politically correct. Get a Mark Twain book. Get, uh, you know, see what they're doing to J.K. Rowling and what they're trying to do. She, her books aren't even offensive. It's because she believes that a woman is a woman. Period. End of story. Nobody discriminates against LGBTQRSTUVWXYZ people there. They're just telling you you can't go and uh, talk about sex of any sort gay, straight, whatever, to young kids. The real question is, Mayor Adams, why do you want to talk to young kids about sex? Hmm? Care to answer that one? (laughs) They don't. But hey, what are you going to do? He wants to teach you something about values. Go ahead. And Cora, across the media spectrum, the Left is mobilizing again now they they continue their attacks on donald trump that 's just what they do that 's for ratings it 's weird. Fox mostly ignores Trump, and the left wing media embraces Trump because it infuriates their audiences and they can 't get any they can 't get inspired watches on CNN and MSNBC, but they can get hate watches. It tells you something about the left anyway, we have some audio demonstrating just how. DeSantis-obsessed these people are. We start with a a report from CNN. Their reporter, a guy named Steve Contorno. I think that's how you pronounce it. C-O-N-T-O or T-R-O-N-O. Talking about, you know, it's funny because the left wing always, always tries to pick who conservatives are. According to most of the people in the uh, the media, you will hear Asa Hutchinson, governor uh, former governor of Arkansas. You will hear uh Sununu, governor of New Hampshire, and you will hear Larry Hogan, former governor here in Maryland. You will hear them referred to as conservatives. They're conservatives. Now they don't ever tell you what they're conservative. What are you conservative about? Well, he wants to cut taxes well okay that's I suppose that's nice, but what else conservatives is conservatism isn't simply about taxes it's about individual liberty, personal responsibility etc cetera, etc cetera. they never never come around about that <clears throat> they never go any further than they' they're opposed to hiking taxes Wow, so because you're not economically illiterate, you're conservative because then they say everybody else. And everything else that conservatives stand for is right-wing extremism, right-wing extremism, white nationalism, wink, wink, and all this stuff. They are doing what they can to lie to their audiences. So they prop up these, frankly, 5% vote-getters as something to aspire to and everybody else is dangerous and that's the gist of this cnn report he's reporting that uh, republicans are concerned that maybe ron DeSantis is going too far in his war against wokeism now you know anybody who's sitting there saying you know what i think ron DeSantis is going too far in protecting the american people or the people of florida from wokeism how dare he this is an outrage i don't know that person um, except for people who work at, in the media here CNN. His visit comes as some conservatives are concerned about how DeSantis is using his government powder in Florida
1: in his fight against what he calls their wokeness. CNN's Steve Contorno joins us now. Steve, what specifically are Republican leaders worried about?
2: Jim, there are a couple factors at play here. First is you have conservative donors and and organizations that uh, generally believe that b- government shouldn't be in the business of businesses. And that some of the steps taken by Governor DeSantis have inflicted his conservative ideology on state institutions, on businesses, and sometimes even punishing businesses that run afoul of his point of view. We've seen, obviously, that has played out publicly in his fight with Disney over the so-called um, don't say gay bill, but we've also seen him punish businesses for their vaccination and mask policies. Uh, we've seen him put restrictions on how businesses can train their employees around issues of racism. We've seen him now say he wants to go after banks that lend in ways that he doesn't agree with.
0: Hmm. Any of that sound familiar? No, he's, he his brand of conservatism, It's it's terrible. He's He's going after these companies who are mandating things on their employees, right? Companies that are infringing upon the rights of their employees. Protection of the rights of the individual is the very purpose for the existence of government. That's what it is. (laughs) Everything else that it does is important, or a lot of what else it does is important. But first and foremost is the protection of the rights of the people individually. To be protected. Yes, from government to government overreach, but also from businesses. I don't know this guy hasn't updated his software in a while. Well, people are very concerned that he's going against the business interests. He's talking about businesses that are doing things that he doesn't like. Yeah, No, Disney is protesting. The state was trying to protest. The state was trying to actually do damage to the state by supporting the idea that drag queens should be invited into every elementary school to, amongst other things and that kindergartners should be told in explicit detail about the sex lives of gay teachers and he said no that's not right and even straight teachers or anybody nobody's going you shouldn't have anybody talking to your kid about sex And they're going, oh, no, that's that's horrible. There are some Republican donors. Yeah, the Chamber of Compromise conservatives, the people like Larry Hogan who go, all right, I'll cut taxes. I've cut taxes. Therefore, I'm a hero. Uh, There's more to it than that. I'm just like Ronald Reagan. I cut taxes. Well, Ronald Reagan did other things, too. Ronald Reagan actually ended up raising taxes once, too. But, hey, you know, what are you going to do? Part of a compromise with Democrats. I want somebody who is willing to go into negotiations with Democrats, telling them to get bent and then maybe coming to a a conference. The starting position should be you lose. Ronald Reagan. Well, what's your plan with the Soviet Union? We win, they lose. That's the plan. That's the way you've got to confront Democrats. Now, you don't win every negotiation, but you do damn well better move the ball closer towards winning. But being lectured by some prepubescent pinhead on CNN about what conservatism is because his sociology professor in high school last year told him what uh, conservatism is is not particularly uh, useful. Not particularly. It's anything, all it really is is funny. But he continues. And by the way, who's sitting there going, Ron DeSantis is fighting wokeness too much? He's going too far in his defense of individual liberty. You could make that case if he's saying everybody should be shooting up on the streets right near schools. You have the absolute right to do this, that. And maybe you could make that case then. That's not what's happening. He's telling companies to mind your business. Mind your business. You get special treatment from the state. We'll take away your special treatment. So that's it. If you don't like what the state is doing then you're fine to express yourself. And we're just going to treat you the way we treat every other business in the state. And that's, that's going after Disney. Oh my God, going after Disney. Well, pull up, Magic Ma- pull up the Epcot Center and uh, helicopter lift that to, uh, what is the nearest Democrat state? I don't even know. But take it there. See how that works out. Put it on a, a floating oil rig in the Gulf. See how that goes. Anyway. The report wasn't done, because it was a very
2: long report that they played repeatedly throughout the day. It tells you something. So there's that part of it, but there's also Republicans, including his supporters, who are worried that he might be flying a little bit too close to the sun with his war on wokeness. You know, this most recent spat with the college board over this AP African American Studies class, I mean... He is now talking about potentially pulling AP classes out of Florida entirely, finding alternatives to the SAT. Uh, These are things that parents around the country use to help their students get into good colleges to save a bit of money uh, on their uh, higher education and there are concerns that they don't know how this is going to play out nationally when, this stuff, when he starts campaigning uh, in a national campaign. And what we're seeing is Republican candidates starting to seize on this a bit, especially those who are start, start, want to turn the page from these Trump-era politics. Uh, we've seen Governor Sununu of, of New Hampshire, former Governor Hogan of Maryland, Governor Hutchinson of Arkansas. They have all raised concern with how DeSantis has been so heavy-handed with businesses.
0: <laughs> yeah, the Chamber of Compromise Conservatives. Oh, he's being too mean to businesses. Oh yeah, were you elected governor of business? No, nobody wants a bad business environment, but you end up actually creating a bad business environment if you listen to business leaders. If you listen, the business lobby, the Chamber of Commerce is Fairly decent when it is in opposition to big government liberalism from Democrats. When it comes to everything else, they try to weaponize government. Their membership does, particularly the larger membership, to create barriers to entry for new businesses to form so that they don't have to deal with any competition. They're pulling the ladder up behind them. The Chamber of Compromise is referred to that as that on Capitol Hill for a reason. You really think citing those three former, well, one's a current governor, Sununu, Larry Hogan, anybody going, you know what, I wasn't, uh, I was slightly in favor of Ron DeSantis before I learned that he had disappointed Larry Hogan. Now that I know that he's disappointed Larry Hogan, boy, howdy, I have to rethink everything I've been saying over these past few years. Is there a single human being out there who hears that and goes, I'm not going to make a move until I hear what Larry Hogan has to say? No, there is not. I promise you, there is not. But this is what passes for news. This is what passes for conservatism. Larry Hogan is what passes for conservatism. Asa Hutchinson is what passes for conservatism in left-wing circles. Now, it's funny, as they will look at anybody who is not one of these Chamber of Compromise conservatives... And say, well, the extremist right wing of the party, like Ted Cruz, like Mike Lee, like everybody. Okay, pretty much 95% of the Republicans are extremists. But they will refer to Ilhan Omar as she's just a progressive Democrat. There's no left wing extremism, there is no far left. You will not find, except maybe in the opinion columns occasionally, the phrase far left in the pages of the New York Times or the Washington Post, you will hear you know media matters referred to as a a, a liberal media watchdog group or just sometimes a media watchdog group they're a left wing activist group that if donald trump had i don't know if he could have really had somebody over at the i r s go you know, we need to investigate and find out whether or not they've should maintain their charitable status. The left does it all the time. I promise you right now, conservative think tanks are being audited left and right by the IRS to see whether or not they're engaged in political activity. There is no such turnabout when it comes to groups like Media Matters. There absolutely should be. It's what they live for. It's their business model, but they also recognize that they can do it without any consequences, Do you think uh, President Larry Hogan would go, you know what, we really got to look at? No. President Larry Hogan would go, I need probably somebody to give me hair plugs. I need to lose about 150 pounds. I need uh, all sorts of things. And can I have dinner with Nancy Pelosi so that we can talk about what the country needs to do next? Now, in that scenario, I'll take Donald Trump. I'll take Ron DeSantis. I'll take Nikki Haley. I'll take any of them over this. But you can tell something about the quality of a candidate and the degree of their conservatism by the way and by what the left weaponizes against them. Ron DeSantis, not announced, right now has all the right enemies for all the right reasons. So now I want to shift to... um, Alyssa Farah. We'll get the joy read in a second. Alyssa Farah on CNN. She's a CNN contributor. She is also one of the hosts of The View. Ooh, one of the ladies on The View. And she is also Donald Trump's former communications director in the White House. The last one. Uh, You really, Donald Trump should campaign on. He will make much, much, much better personnel decisions going forward. Then he would put a lot of people more at ease than he currently does with uh, the people that he did hire. But this fair is on CNN, and she's whining and whining and whining about, oh, this, this is not the Republican Party that I grew up in. They're, they're Trump. Now, she, again, was deputy communication. She held a lot of positions inside the Trump administration. She was perfectly happy to hold all of those positions and more. But when it came time for a post-White House media career and it became clear that Fox News wasn't interested in her, she had to change her tune. And it worked out. Every once in a while when you sell out, there's a buyer. There's a couple of buyers. Her CNN contract and her ABC contract, she's probably making a million, million and a half, maybe up to $2 million a year. So congratulations to her. But all it cost her was all of her credibility. And uh, apparently, sleep or whatever because she's lamenting what has become of the conservative movement that she grew up in.
3: Are you hearing any discomfort among actual Republican voters? So here's the thing. Ron DeSantis is masterful at commanding national media attention and culture war stunts and leaning into the anti-wokeness gets him talked about. It raises his name ID and it, it rouses up the base. There are people like me, more in the Sununu, Larry Hogan camp, longtime, lifelong conservatives who see it as government overreach, masked as conservatism, whether it's going after Disney, whether it's dictating from the state what local schools should teach rather than that being at the school board level or decided by parents. Um, I... I do think, however, this is the Trump MAGA party. And I think that the party is more in line with where Ron DeSantis is than the more traditional conservative party that I grew up in. Um, but I think we're going to hash that out. I think it's possible Sununu gets in the race. I would love to see him make that intellectual case. Larry Hogan someone who can do it very well as well. And I'm curious to see where Nikki Haley comes down on this line because it really is big government conservatism versus traditional small government.
0: <laughs> yeah it, let's uh, take advice political advice from the chick on the view who sits there and listens to these bigots just smear everybody she grew up in the conservative traditional conservative movement yeah, let's take her advice by the way the traditional conservative world she grew up in her father is Joseph Farah who founded and owns and runs WorldNet Daily conspiracy site you want to talk about the birther movement it started there it is um i don't even go to it and i don't know that i've gone to it in 20 years but he is not somebody that you sit there and you go well a traditional republican conservative no he exploits people so i'm not sure how traditional conservative world she grew up in but then again She's full of crap, so I mean, what do you expect from somebody who sits across from Joy Behar in Sonny Houston and goes, yeah, you know what? You're right. You're right, Anna Navarro. <laughs> yeah. What price for a soul, ladies and gentlemen? So that, uh, now we're talking about uh, Ron DeSantis and the attacks on him. That brings us around to the queen of the left. It used to be uh, Rachel Maddow, but Rachel Maddow only works one day a week now. It's It's really rough. You know, there was always those jokes about johnny carson that when he was at the end of his career and when he was re- even when he was retired i said the guy well the guy worked three days a week on mondays it was i think it was mondays was the, if i remember correctly mondays was the best of carson or maybe fridays was the best of carson and monday was a guest host and that was it and he's he was paid more than anybody and he just worked three days a week. It's a hell of a racket if you can get it. By the way, there's a push in Maryland to try and do a pilot program for a four day work week. 30 tax incentives or whatever, um, subsidies for businesses to switch from a four day, 40 hour work week to a three day, 32 hour work week. Personally, I've, I don't know how that would impact this industry, but you could do it another way. If you wanted to, not in this industry, but in other industries, if you wanted a three day weekend, if you're worried that people's quality of life and what have you, that's fine. But the 40 hour work week is pretty productive. So you could do four 10 hour days. Get rid of the requirement that the second, particularly the unions will never go for this, but the uh, requirement that the second you go over eight hours in the course of a day, it's immediately time and a half. Get rid of that and say, all right, 10 hours is the the time and a half sweet spot. And then you work Monday, well, Tuesday through Friday. I prefer Tuesday through Friday. I prefer Mondays off rather than Fridays off. You could do that. You could try it, especially in factories, you'd be getting the same amount of production and uh, for the same amount of pay and for the same amount of of time. You just have another day off. And I think given their choice, most people would go, you know what, I'll do that. I'll work two extra hours a day to have a three-day weekend constantly. They may eventually not like it, but it would certainly be, look, people are going to complain about anything all the time. So you give them something new that they think benefits them. They'll love it, they'll love it, they'll love it, and then they'll be grousing and going, why can't we just have a three-day work week and a four-day weekend all the time? You're never going to be enough for some people. It's probably why you should best let the market handle it, right? <clears throat> anyway, back to Joy Reid, the queen of the left. Uh, I remember why I went off on that, because of Rachel Mano. Who wouldn't love that deal? $30 million a year to work one day a week. But she does break down and do special coverage, like on election nights, which won't be this year. But, you know, next year they've got her. (laughs) God, rich, rich people are the problem. Joy Reid took her turn whining about Ron DeSantis. In fact, it wouldn't be a day that ends in Y were it not for the racist bigot over at uh, MSNBC whining about Ron DeSantis. It just wouldn't be the same. She is somebody who historically gets things completely wrong all the time. When off the cuff, she says some of the dumbest things. This side of a comedy writer's room, like comedy writers will create dumb characters. They don't have to. They'd have to smarten up Joy Reid to make her a believable character in a parody of what MSNBC is, which is why the left doesn't engage. They always sit there and go. Well, I remember when Saturday Night Live was funny, but now they're just a mouthpiece for the Democrat Party. You try and write parody about the Democrat Party. Yeah, I could do it. But it's really tough because they are a parody of what they are. Really, the comedy of the Democratic Party is going, here's what Chuck Schumer is saying now. Here's what Chuck Schumer said Five years ago, here's what Nancy Pelosi is saying. Now, here's what Nancy Pelosi said five years ago. And you go, what happened there? Here's Nancy Pelosi speaking to a women's group. Now, here's Nancy Pelosi wandering the halls of Congress aimlessly going, I don't know what a woman is. And nobody does either. (laughs) Anyway, Joy Reid hates Ron DeSantis. And since it's Joy Reid, her shtick, and everybody has a shtick, her shtick is to cry racism. Cry racism, cry racism, cry racism, cultural appropriation, racism, uh, cultural insensitivity, racism, bigotry, racism. When I mean, she'll do a monologue about a Kardashian that gets her hair braided. This is cultural. It's wrong. Cultural appropriation. If Donald Trump were ever caught eating another Taco Bell, one of my favorite things about Trump was he just didn't care. When he, uh, it was Cinco de Mayo, he tweeted out a picture of him with a taco salad, called it a taco bowl, probably for legal reasons, but a taco salad sitting there going, hey, happy Cinco de Mayo. Joy Reid would pop an aneurysm at that. Maybe he should do it again. But anyway, here she is going after her current favorite target, Ron DeSantis.
4: What's been a problem for Florida is now a problem for America. It isn't just about the cruise ship companies or Disney or even your woke gas stove. DeSantis is determined to stamp out intellectual freedom, and it's causing other red states to scrutinize AP black studies. He's also threatening to withdraw state support for advanced placement courses altogether. The Miami Herald reports that top Florida officials are exploring alternatives to the college board, meeting with the founder of an exam called the Classic Learning Test. Supporters of the exam say it focuses on the, quote, great classical and Christian tradition and the, quote, centrality of the Western tradition. Pretty much on brand for DeSantis, who clearly wants to be president and who is on tour to signal to the nation how he would govern. And that is by replacing a multitude of ideas with the one idea he holds dear, the centrality of white Christian thought, and who, let's be clear, is using woke to mean any notion that brown, black, LGBTQ people, and women are citizens rather than subjects, who, whether they live in red states or blue states, would in his American dream be forced to shut up and do think, read, and say only what Ron DeSantis
0: tells them to. Last time I checked, there are white people who are gay. And, now, I haven't checked this in a while, but I think there are women who are white, too. By the way, she's complaining about the evils of white people and, oh, my God, Western culture. Oh, no. Yeah, no, the Western civilization and all of that and all the technology that's around her right there was developed in this country by people of different colors. But because of the Western culture traditions that we have. There's no, for example, there's, you know, it wasn't Buddhists' Buddhist tradition in this country. Nothing against Buddhists, but let's be honest, it hasn't really played that big of a role in this country. But she's doing so while she's sitting there at her desk with her hair bleached blonde. Cultural appropriation. I don't think, I don't know for sure, but I know for sure uh, that uh, if a Kardashian had braided her hair again or somebody'd gotten dreadlocks who was not of the appropriate skin tone and not of the appropriate political beliefs. And The Kardashians' sin is that on occasion Kim when she was married to Kanye said nice things about Donald Trump, worked with Donald Trump on getting that one woman a, a clemency and whatever. Um they've said nice things about Republicans. And so they had to be attacked and had to be destroyed. Since she has unhitched her wagon from Kanye West, she is now more in the good graces of the left and making it known that she will no longer culturally appropriate, blah, 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 blah. But there were a lot of calories burnt attacking the Kardashians for wrong think for cultural appropriation. I don't know. Again, I'm not somebody who really gives a damn about this, but I suspect that blonde hair is uh, not uniquely but particularly a European sort of trait. Joy, why would you then dye your hair? Why would you culturally appropriate, dare I say, the Nordic tradition of hair? Where do you come up with it? Who do you think you are? It's just wrong that you would do this or something, right? Isn't that the way the game is played? If you're going to grouse about Ron DeSantis and the, the white Christian. White has nothing to do with it. Christian. Christianity, while not particularly widespread in Manhattan, because no religion really is where joy lives, the rest of the world, there are a lot of Christians out there. A billion or so, a couple billion maybe. Loose definition of it. Even in some of the newsrooms, I suspect, in the left, they always say, oh, I'm a, well, Joe Biden claims to be a Christian. He claims to be a Catholic which is a Christian. Uh, He doesn't live his life that way. Neither does Nancy Pelosi, but they do make that declaration for fundraising purposes and to avoid dealing with various questions. But to sit there and listen to these people talk, they are absolutely terrified of Ron DeSantis. They're absolutely, there's a difference between, they're not terrified of Donald Trump. They hate Donald Trump. I don't think they've developed hatred of Ron DeSantis yet. They're faking it a little bit, but they're terrified of him. They know how they believe they know how to defeat Donald Trump. They don't know how to defeat Ron DeSantis. What they don't seem to understand is their real challenge isn't who the Republicans end up nominating. It's Joe Biden. Can they prop him up enough? Don't get me wrong. They probably they'll be able to come close at a bare minimum. They've done what they've done so far. And you sit there and people who pay attention, watch this guy walk, listen to this guy speak. They recoil in horror going, what in the hell? This guy is clearly he needs help. He's making John Fetterman seem whip smart. There's something wrong here. And they hide that from them. But you can't hide it completely. If people pay attention, they notice such things. But can they drag him across the finish line against somebody else? There's a lot of buyer's remorse with Joe Biden. A lot of stories of people in polls that say, hey, you pointed out the uh, if they had known about the Hunter Biden story, they might have voted differently. Yeah, you can't really hang your hat on that. There's all sorts of what if scenarios and you can't do that. You know what it is now. You know the outcome. But there are some people who simply will never vote for anybody but Joe Biden or a Democrat. There are some people who will never, under any circumstances, vote for Donald Trump. There are some people who just don't pay attention, but vote for anybody, whoever is the latest, shiniest object to get their attention. Rather than Donald Trump firing down his own trench, by the way, it would be more useful if he were lobbing grenades at the left and softening up the target no matter what, no matter who the Republican nominee is, it would also be nice if Donald Trump said, You know what, I'm a Republican, I'm a conservative, so I don't care. I'm going to win. But if I somehow don't, I'm going to vote for whoever. But I suspect we won't get that. He just won't admit that. No politician should admit that. But it'd be nice if you got that sense. I don't really get that sense there. But there's something going on about Ron DeSantis, and it's his effectiveness and governing florida that has people attacking him now the attacks on nikki haley are all because she's she's indian but she's not really indian she's not white but i mean she might as well be white and she's a racist too that sort of crap that's the kind of attacks on nikki haley they're not really substantive they realize they have to realize they have no influence over a republican primary but they just need to throw red meat. They can't if they ignore Nikki Haley, they'll be accused of sexism. So they—they're just racists about her, quite frankly. It's gross. But with Ron DeSantis, with Donald Trump, they're just going to attack him constantly because he's good for ratings. No matter what he does, if he stayed home for a month, they'd attack him. But with Ron DeSantis, they're afraid of him because he's currently governing. He's currently a wildly popular governor. Now, not as popular as Larry Hogan or Sununu in polling, but they didn't actually accomplish anything. Those governors were not are not popular because they advanced a conservative agenda. Ron DeSantis, they're sitting in the 70%. That's because Democrats can say, see, I like a Republican too. I mean, he's a harmless. He doesn't do anything, but I like him. He's fine. Whereas Ron DeSantis is doing conservative things, standing up against wokeism, and uh, that causes them to have acid reflux when dealing with him because he's doing things. Now, he's popular 55, 60 percent of the people of Florida and accomplishing conservative things. That's what I think. Look, Donald Trump isn't governor or he isn't in charge of anything right now. So he doesn't have that. That, I think, is why he feels threatened by Ron DeSantis, too. It was no different when he was president of the United States, though except he was less popular, which had to do with personality rather than policy. If, just think if Donald Trump could have sold his policies to the general American public the way he sold them to the people who absolutely love him. He would have won easily in 2020. He just would have. Speaking of victimhood, in the uh, it's really just hard currency on the left. I love this story; it shows you just how hysterical the leftist is. Uh, there's a a woman. It's from mediaite Watch. Woman caught on camera letting gay pride flag on fire outside of New York City restaurant. <gasps> New York City authorities are looking for a woman suspected of committing a hate crime when she set fire to a pride flag hanging outside a restaurant in Soho. Now, she should be arrested for a possible, you know, arson if she, unless she ripped the flag down. The incident took place around 1.35 a.m. on Monday morning at the Little Prince. The arson was captured on camera and the footage shows a red-haired woman getting out of a white SUV. Of course it's a white SUV using a lighter to set a flag ablaze and getting back in the passenger side of the car as it drove off. Now, they would have charged her, tried to charge her, find her, hunt her down, and they'd be holding parades and solidarity and everything if she had pulled the flag down or even brought her own flag and set it on fire on the street. You're only allowed to burn the American flag and the Gadsden flag in this country. The pride flag and good lord, and there's like the progressive pride flag, which looks like somebody ate a gay pride flag and then threw it up onto another gay pride flag and added some colors to it. But it is, uh, it is protected. It is protected. It's a hate crime to destroy that flag, which is absurd and ridiculous and tells you everything you need to know about the left. They despise this country but they love their interest groups as long as they vote for them if there was a conservative gay flag well they'd be the first ones to line up to light their joints or cook their heroin over the flame of it as we get close to the end here there's a couple of things i want to comment on as well the uh charges i mean this is a big story but it's not i'm not sure it's being reported as accurately as it should have New York Post. Alec Baldwin faces reduced prison sentence after charges dropped in fatal rust shooting. You go, what? Yeah, it went from like he could be facing decades to now he could be facing just a few months. Alec Baldwin has won a key legal battle with prosecutors, uh, dropping a charge against him over the deadly shooting in the Hilna Hutchins Dramatically reduced, uh, dr- drastically reducing the potential prison time he faced. The Santa Fe County District Attorney confirmed to the post on Monday that it had dropped the firearms enhancement rap tied to an involuntary manslaughter charge of the former 30 Rock star. That means that Baldwin faces a maximum, maximum of 18 months in prison, down from the five years he could have gotten before if convicted. Now it is. You sit there and I've seen this on Twitter and I seen and look, it's good for clickbait. Oh, there it is. Liberal privilege. There it is. White privilege, depending on the outlet. There it is, et cetera, et cetera. The law that he was charged with. Was passed and became law, the one that made him face up to five years or at a minimum of five years in prison, um, was passed after the woman was shot and killed. You can't do an ex post facto law. You can't. What I'm doing is perfectly legal. All right. I, uh, you know, let's just say that, uh, I don't know, pushing old ladies down a flight of stairs is perfectly legal. And so everybody's pushing old ladies down a flight of stairs. And I push an old lady down a flight of stairs and the DA doesn't like me and the, the state government doesn't like me. So they go, you know what? That's an outrage. Let's change it so pushing an old lady down a flight of stairs is now illegal. And then they arrest me and charge me with having pushed an old lady down the stairs when it was perfectly legal, because now it's illegal. You can't do that. I wouldn't push old ladies down the flight of stairs, but you get the idea. You can only charge people with the laws that were in place at the time that they committed whatever act that they committed. I can't even call it a crime. Otherwise... You could have vindictive jurisdictions. The American people have to be aware of what the hell they're... Ignorance of the law is no defense. But a law not existing and then suddenly existing and you retroactively being charged is a really good defense. I'm no fan of Alec Baldwin. But if they pass this law after it, that's a problem. It's also another problem that it took more than a, a year, it seemed like, to decide whether or not they wanted to press any charges at all, memories fade, evidence disappears, or gets tainted. You get all of these things, so it's this whole thing has been a disaster. I don't understand how these people could manage to be so incompetent out there. How these prosecutors—it's their job. It's not like they just tapped somebody fresh out of law school and said, "Hey, you're now going i want you to go prosecute your new lawyer. Let's go. Uh, let's go prosecute this thing." That doesn't make any sense. That's wildly stupid. You got one job. Do it. And they didn't. So when you hear the outrage about this thing, recognize that you sure as hell would want this... Law, this I mean, this concept is <coughs> important. And if it were somebody trying to do it to you, you would be as, equal, as outraged as as Baldwin's lawyers are. So this is... He should have never been charged with this enhancement crime in the first place. How incompetent do you have to be as a prosecutor to not know that a law just came into being and you can't charge somebody with it? It's bizarre. Speaking of bizarre, they're expecting this to sort of end soon. Have you heard of this Murdoch, Alex Murtaugh, Murdoch? I don't know. It's it's like Murtaugh, except it's with a D. M U R D A U G H. This has become an obsession with at least Fox News. I don't like. I watch Brett Bear, and that's really all I watch. And there is um, always a report on this trial. I don't get it. It's something down in South Carolina. Some creepy lawyer allegedly killed his family. It sounds horrible. It's awful. But it's not national news. Who gives a damn? It's a local crime story. It's a horrible crime story. It's a statewide crime story. But it is not something where we need to stop all the presses and the world needs to know about it. I never heard about the crime at the time. I don't get how these things happen. It must be uh, like this started in a slow news day. It must have gotten decent ratings or clicks or whatever the hell it is. And so their pot committed, they hitched their wagon to it. But that's all I can figure out from this thing, because I don't know who these people are. It sounds like a horrible crime. Nothing against the family, but it's not a national news story. People are murdered, sadly, all the time across the country. It's weird. You hear this nonstop. Wealthy white family, maybe Democrats are owned or something. But you don't hear much about police officers who are killed in the line of duty. You hear like one day report, maybe there's a thirty second thing, the police buried so and so today. But that's it. There's a police officer just murdered by some rich white antifa anti capitalist D-bag up in Philadelphia. Killed. He was out on a carjacking spree with his brother. Cop came along. He shoots the cop in the head, and then he stands over the cop, much like the uh, Mumia Abu-Jamal killed the police officer, shoots him a couple times in the face, and then runs off, gets away, calls mommy, mommy takes care of him. They've arrested mommy and the brother. They should all, seems like they should do some serious time because they're gross people. It's what you get with leftism. Progressive activism rots the mind, and you don't hear about it. You just don't hear about it. It's ongoing. Is, but nope, you don't hear about it. Anyway, speaking of disasters, Secretary Mayor Pete. He's promising he's going to go to East Palestine as East Palestine, whoever it is. He was on Good Morning America this morning, talking about how is now I don't know. I I don't remember South Bend, Indiana being ground zero for massive natural disasters and environmental disasters caused by government incompetence setting this stuff on fire. But I could be wrong. All I really remember from Secretary Mayor Pete's tenure as mayor of South Bend is that he seemed to fire every black official that he could, police chief, fire chief, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera. Weird. And Notre Dame sucked. But then Notre Dame always sucks. But uh, listen to Pete talk about his tenure. You would think that Notre Dame, the Great Fire of 2014 or something like that, we survived it, the tornadoes that ripped the town apart, leveled 90% of the town. No, none of that. But when you're full of crap and unqualified for your job, you'll do say
1: just about anything. The administration has come under some fire for its response. to The mayor of East Palestine has said it took nearly two weeks for the White House to contact him. There were shouts of where's Pete Buttigieg at a town hall meeting last week. Uh, what's your response to that? When are you going to go to East Palestine?
2: Well, I am planning to go, and
1: uh, our folks were on the ground from the first hours. I do want to stress that the NTSB needs to be able to do its work independently. But when I go, the focus is going to
2: be on action. Look, I was mayor of my hometown for eight years. We dealt with a lot of disasters,
0: natural and human. (laughs) Human, mostly being my administration that uh, had massive cost overruns with our bike paths. I am going, look, I am going, I am planning on going. At some point. why doesn't he just say, I'm planning on going, but I'm not going anywhere near that place until we really get the all clear from the people who really know, not just the, the EPA people out there whose job it is to calm people down. I don't want to be anywhere near that place. You know, you know how toxic that place is right now there, Snuffleupagus? I ain't going anywhere near that place. To hell with it. <laughs> I'll do a Zoom call. I'll do a Zoom call with them. Don't you feel more secure knowing that this guy is in charge? Then he downplayed the whole thing again by talking about, look, yeah, you know what happened there is terrible. It's terrible. It's bad. It's awful. I feel bad for the people who are currently being poisoned by my incompetence. But keep it in perspective. There are like a thousand derailments a year. This is like Tommy Vitor saying uh, about the Benghazi thing. Dude, that was like two years ago. Get over it. Dude, there's, there's a lot of disasters. You're going to focus on this thing? You just Listen to this stuff. Uh, look, rail safety is something that, uh, uh, that has evolved
2: a lot over the years, but there's clearly more that needs to be done because uh, while this uh, horrible situation ha- has gotten a particularly high amount of attention,
1: there are roughly 1,000 cases a year of a train derailing.
0: Yeah, no, that's not... There are a lot of smokers whose Marlboros get derailed on the way to their local 7-Elevens. Yeah, the people in East Palestine, they got it tough because they're being poisoned every time they drink a cup of water. But let's not forget that there are other victims out there, too. The Paul Mall people sometimes have to go a day or maybe drive an extra mile to get a new pack of cigarettes. God, this guy's got a job. We're out of time. I'll see you tomorrow. I appreciate you listening.